As I mentioned last Sunday, I wanted to uh, just share from my heart a little bit, not so much an expository message. In fact, we're going to return to a passage that I think we spoke on several weeks ago in John chapter 5. But uh, I wanted to share a few thoughts from this scripture. And again, not so much an expository way as I normally do, but uh, in just in context of some things I just want to share with us by way of encouragement as we move into the summer. And even now I know we're starting in vacation mode but uh, that I wanted to share before we kind of all officially begin to go away. But before I do that, I want to extend uh, a very special uh, congratulations and happy 40th anniversary to uh, Rennell and Karen Curry, who are over in this section. Today is her 40th anniversary. There you go. I told Rennell, I will announce it if you give her a kiss when I do. And so he did that. Uh, and also, uh, just to let you know, as, as many of you know, our youngest son, Alex, is getting married in two weeks' time on the Saturday of July 13th at 2 o'clock. And uh, some have asked, so just want to let you know that you're welcome to come to the ceremony at 2 o'clock. If you have time, we'd love to have you with us as we uh, celebrate that very special occasion. Also, I understand uh, Pat Gardner, where are, you where are Pat and Sterling? You need to sit in this section. There you go. Pat's birthday is today. She happens to be 40 as well. God bless you, Pat. <laughs> I know. And finally, um, I don't have uh, all the details yet, but uh, we've been trying to get the movie unplanned. If some of you are familiar with that, uh, just a powerful story of a woman who worked for a number of years with Planned Parenthood. Uh, some things she saw, didn't realize were going on. God got a hold of her life, got a hold of her heart. And uh, today she's a wonderful advocate for the right to life. But uh, the movie is called Unplanned. Very difficult to get into the theaters. So we're doing something a little bit different. I was talking with a friend who actually has the rights to the movie. Uh, just the other day, what we're planning to do is he has a 50-foot inflatable screen. So we're planning to show that outside. Um, we're going to use it in the back parking lot. It's going to be uh, uh, tenderly looking at July 26th. Thank you, my son. Literally my son. In case you're from Newfoundland and thought I was just being polite, he is my son. Um, so it looks like it's going to be July 26th, if that's the Friday evening. And so you're welcome to join us. It's going to be at dusk, so like 9 o'clock, 9.30. Uh, it's not really suitable for children. So we'll let you uh, leave it at your discretion. It's a PG rating. It probably should be 14A, which it is in some other places. There are a few graphic scenes. But again, just to be truthful to the story, a very powerful message, but also very supportive of, of young women in particular and young men who are confronted with this decision, trying to do the right thing in an age that often counsels to do the wrong thing. And so it's very well done. So that's the 26th. You want to tuck that in the back of your mind. We'll be announcing that, and I think there will also be information going out to the Christian community at large. So, uh, so we welcome you to come. There's going to be a, a small fee, I believe, just so we can cover the cost of the licensing and so on, but uh, something you can invite friends to. So uh, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We read, beginning at verse 1, and this is a following, of course, Jesus' wonderful encounter with a woman at the well. We come to chapter 5, verse 1. We read, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five root colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, lying, lame, and paralyzed. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and served the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Now John says there was a time when the water in this pool would be stirred every now and then. And the very first person who was sick or had a need and stepped into that pool, that person would be instantly healed. Now, I understand that when we read that story, some of us may be prone to think, well, why in the world would God do that? Why would there just be one healing? Some would even say, well, if God were a God of love, then why wouldn't he make it so that when the water was stirred, everybody who was there, maybe hundreds of people, all of them would be healed. And I think it really speaks to a problem that we have in our own human understanding when it comes to God's provision. There's two kinds of provision we see, to use theological terms. One is God's redemptive provision. What's God, what God's redemptive provision simply means is that God has made available to you and me everything that Jesus is. So through the cross of Jesus Christ, his resurrection, the indwelling person and power of the Holy Spirit, everything Jesus is, is available to you and me. All of us, all the time. That's his redemptive provision. But there's also God's providential provision. And God's providential pr provision has to do with the care that God uh, shows in each of our lives uniquely and individually as he's moving us all toward what it is he has for us as a person, as his own son or daughter of God. We're not like everybody else. We're not all on the same journey. We're going in different ways. We're at different places. God is doing different things. And so his providential uh, provision has to do with the fact that he is going to get me to where he wants me to lead me to go. But along the way, there may be certain things that he has for me uniquely because of what he's doing in my life at that moment. Does that make sense? And so what's really important for you and me to understand is that in order for that to happen, we have to identify those times when God is speaking to us. But we also need to learn to recognize and confront certain mindsets or attitudes that will actually hinder us from receiving all that God has. One of those attitudes is what I would call the waiter. The waiter. In verse 5, John says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And what I mean by a waiter is that sometimes we can find ourselves adopting an attitude that basically just kind of waits around for something to happen. And we're just hoping that when it does happen, that we'll be lucky enough to get in on it. It's a kind of spiritual guesswork. But if we're really honest, what it is, it's an attitude that says God is not dependable. I just kind of have to hope, you know, when certain, at a certain time, maybe someday in my life, something will happen. But it's not like I can really lay hold of that today. And it's an attitude that waits and waits and waits, but it never possesses for itself what it is that God has for you. Now, this particular man was not just somebody who was waiting around for a long time with a lot of people. Real big print. I'm getting old. <laughs> but he also, there was something said about him that kind of moves him from the circle of the waiters and brings him into the circle of what you might call the experienced. Because the scripture says that he had been the way that he was for 38 years. I really believe that one of the most challenging mindsets God has to break through when he tries to bring us forward 
is the mindset that we can sometimes have when we've experienced certain things, particularly disappointments or failures or frustrations, and, and we just become gun-shy. You know what I'm saying? We've gone through something or maybe something didn't work out the way that we thought or God didn't do something we thought he was going to do or should do. And so we can kind of begin to look at things we've experienced in the past and think, well, nothing's really going to be different today. Now, I don't claim to be a great model of faith, but I have decided a long time ago that I'm not going to be caged in by my past experiences. In those times, I'm going to rally myself around the word of God, what it is the truth that God speaks to me, and I'm going to try to stand on and move in what the Lord is saying to me today. Now, this man was sick for 36 years. I can imagine that if he found somebody around him that had similar symptoms to him, they had a conversation probably something like this. Oh, you think you're bad? I've been that way for 38 years. Oh, yeah, you're feeling this way right now? Well, let, listen, let, let me tell you, in about five years' time, this is going to happen. And then that's going to happen. Then you're going to start losing the feeling in your leg. Then you're going to be on crutches. Next thing you know, you know, he just has all this experience. And we've all been around people like that, haven't we? We've been around people who find themselves in a given situation. If we're not careful, because of past experience, rather than speaking faith, rather than offering hope at this present time for what God would do, what could be different, instead our first words are something like this. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know somebody like that. Oh, yeah, I know somebody who, had, who, who had got the same thing you had. You better get that checked out. That's kind of our first response. And that's not to negate the reality of suffering or pain. But there are people whose first response oftentimes in any given situation is according to their past knowledge. Now, I don't have a lot of patience for people who, in the name of faith, aren't caring. I don't believe that's to be our disposition no matter what anybody is going through. But there's a balance where you have compassion but you don't allow past experience to block you from what Jesus is saying today, what it is he has for you today. You know, one thing I've been finding really encouraging in watching people who have <laughs> lost all feeling in their fingers. <laughs> it's my new notebook. But one of the things I've really appreciated in watching people who've come into a, a, a new understanding, not a new revelation, but it's just something to begin to walk in, understanding God's desire to minister through them or understanding God's desire in particular to, uh, to heal people, uh, what's been so encouraging is to see how many people they minister to or, or step out to, to communicate with that God actually does something, that God actually encourages that person or God actually brings healing to that body. Have you ever noticed that? And I believe the reason is because they're simple and trusting enough to simply pray for everything. And when I see that, I'm reminded as someone who's walked with the Lord for some 45, 47 years now, I'm reminded that the Lord has not called me either as a pastor or as a Christian to just become an expert diagnoser. I don't know if diagnoser is the right word or not, but that's not what he's called me to be. He's not called me just to be somebody who can offer counsel, so if somebody has a situation or a problem, they just say, yeah, well, you better get that looked after. There may be a time to do that, but he wants me to come to terms with whether or not I truly believe that Jesus is the healer. Do I really believe that Jesus is the deliverer? And I don't just mean physical healing. I mean anything that God would have you trust him to do for you. 
You see, I have to decide whether I'm going to function on the basis of just waiting around, hoping that I'm one of the lucky ones, or whether I'm going to function on the basis of, well, whatever my past experience has been, then that's what it's going to be today. Faith does not make provision for failure. Let me say that again. Faith does not make provision for failure. And what I mean by that is not that you force God's hand, but in any given situation, you have to make a fundamental decision as to what direction you're going to move in, what you're going to do, whether you're going to step up with faith, whether you're going to decide to hear from the Lord and what he may say, what he wants you to move in, or whether you're going to go on the basis of, well, you know, life, Christian faith is just a crapshoot. You know, all prayer is, you just kind of toss one up and hope for the best. I've got to make a decision whether that's my attitude or whether I have an attitude of responding to what the Holy Spirit is calling me to. There's a third mindset that we see in this man's response to Jesus. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And what I see that as is an attitude that's always looking to other people because I doubt what God can do in me. I doubt what he can do through me. It's an attitude, and please don't get me wrong, because the scripture says on two occasions that we are to bear one another's burdens, but there's also times that we bear our own burdens. We are to pray one for another. But it's this attitude of, of continual helplessness, where it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't believe God hears my prayers, so would you pray for me? Now, don't misunderstand me. We need to pray for one another. There are seasons we do that, but that should not define my Christian life all the time. There should not be this attitude of helplessness. The first thing Jesus says to the man, verse 6, is simply this. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? And whatever you're talking about, I find that Jesus will come to you at a given time and he will cut through the, the guesswork. He'll cut through the past experiences. He'll, come, he'll cut through the excuses. He'll cut through our dependence upon other people. There are times the Lord will come and stand right before us. And he'll say, do you want to be healed? And he says that lovingly. He says it patiently. But he does not entertain our excuses. I believe what he says to us very simply is this. He looks us in the eyes. Sometimes he might even take our face into his hands. And he says, what do you want? And again, I'm not just talking about physical healing. I'm talking about emotional issues. I'm talking about stress and strain in the marriage relationship or financial problems or, or things you've struggled with for a long time that have been bondages. Whatever it may be, the times, the, there are times the Lord comes to us. It could be in a service like this in worship. It could be in our quiet time. It could be driving in our car. And the Lord gets our attention. He says, I know where you are. I see what, this way you've been for a long time. My only question is, what do you want? Not what have you experienced, not what's going on, not what has somebody else said, whether or not they can help you. You've got my attention. What do you want? And then he issues the command, get up and walk. And I really believe the Lord is bringing us to a time when he would say to us individually, and he would say to us as a congregation, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Not that we're sick. That's not the issue. The question is not whether or not we want to commit ourselves to growing into the full stature of what God has for us. That really is the question. 
on a personal level, on a congregational level, I believe the Lord would say, do you want to move in the fullness of who I am and what I have for you? A time that we begin to step out and see the Lord do some things that are truly miraculous. Because I really believe, and we know this very well, I believe God's desire for Glad Tidings Church, as for every church, but I can only speak for us, I believe with all my heart, God's desire for Glad Tidings Church is that this be a place where people are saved. This be a place where people are healed. This be a place where people are delivered, where they are set free, where they are restored, where they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to minister the very thing they've received they minister those same things to others. And if there's one thing I know, it's that I want to move in what it is Jesus is telling us to do. I want to trust the Lord for great things. But I also know that in the natural, I am prone to waiting. I am prone to guesswork. I am prone to looking at maybe past failures or disappointments or seasons or trends. I am prone even to thinking, well, Lord, is that something you would do here? Lord, is that something you would do within my ministry parameters? Lord, is that something you could actually use me to see come to, come to pass because there's others who are so much better? In it, I do believe the Lord is saying that it's time to decide. It's time to decide individually. It's time to decide as a church what we are ready to move into, what we are ready to possess. Not just enjoy, not just hear the testimonies of, but what are we as individuals? What are we as pastoral staff? What, is we, what are we as elders and leaders? What are we as members of this church? What are we ready to move into and possess that the Lord has for us and the Lord is doing? And as we do, I'll tell you two things you'll never find from the leadership of this church. Number one, you'll never find encouragement to not believe. You'll never find encouragement to accommodate unbelief. But neither will you find impatience with people who are determined to grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. You know, over the years, I've heard a lot of sermons on faith, a lot that have been inspiring, but a lot of sermons on faith that have been communicated in such a way that I feel like, man, that's impossible for me. What you're saying, the stories you're telling, what you're asking, like it just seems so far out of reach for me. But I want to be clear this morning. I don't believe in catering to the flesh, but I do believe that there is a growth process in every one of our lives. I don't believe we accommodate the flesh. I don't believe we give in to unbelief and we excuse it and, and philosophize it and theologi you know, whatever, theologianize it, whatever. Look it up. I don't believe that's what we're called to do. But we are called to understand that there is a growth process and there's a patience that God shows to all of us. The only question really I've been asking myself is why would we settle for anything less than what the Lord has? Why not just take up our bed and walk with the Lord? You see, we live in our culture. Our culture says, you've made your bed, you lie in it, right? What does Jesus say? Okay, you've made your bed, now get up. Take up your bed, and let's walk together. And I know our human nature, because I've, I've done it myself, that when we sense that stirring of the water, 
when we sense that, that invitation that the Lord is speaking to us to receive what it is he wants to grow in us and do in us, that sometimes we hesitate. Why? Because we hear the testimonies of others, but it's really hard to believe that can happen for me. Anybody ever feel that way? Please raise your hand. Am I the only one? Isn't that the way? We hear testimonies. We thank the Lord how the Lord is using somebody else. But in the back of our mind, it's like that's wonderful and I believe. I just can't believe it for me. But friends, if I can promise you one thing here at Glad Tidings Church, that as we desire to move obediently in what it is the Lord is doing in our midst, what he's stirring in our hearts, what we're hearing testified about, the one thing I can promise you is this, is there will never be two classes of Christians in Glad Tidings Church. There will never be the spiritual and the unspiritual. There will never be the celebrities and the common folk. We are all one body. We are brothers and sisters. We all stand on the same footing. We all stand on the same ground. And if Jesus Christ is truly going to have his way, if he's going to be glorified and bring us into all that he has for us as a church, he can only do that if we live and minister in the spirit of Christ. And the spirit of Christ is that we love one another, we put others before ourselves, we esteem the other higher than ourselves, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we weep with those who weep, and we experience the Lord together. We encourage each other along in whatever it is the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. If the Lord is doing great things in your life and you're seeing some wonderful ministry, whatever it may be, cooking uh, cookies for the neighbor or laying hands upon the sick, anything in between, whatever it may be, or using you in one of the spiritual gifts, friends, if the Lord is really having his way, humility will characterize your life. It doesn't mean there's not confidence in God. It doesn't mean there's not boldness to step out, but there's humility. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in me. I thank you as I open my heart for what you're showing me. And because of our love for one another, we want to encourage one another. But also, we don't want to encourage other people to be like us. We don't want to encourage people to operate in the same gift as us. The one thing we have in common is this, our love for Christ and our desire to be open to whatever gift the Lord has uniquely created for me. That's the important thing. It's not that I be like somebody else. It's not that I do the same thing they can do. In fact, I can tell you one of the reasons why the gifts of the Spirit oftentimes do not flow in a church body, and I say this in all humility because I understand the struggle, is many pastors feel intimidated. That if somebody begins to move in the gifts, well, well, if I'm not. You see, people will think they're more spiritual than me. My spirituality is not based upon a particular gift. My spirituality is based upon my obedience when the Holy Spirit says, this is the gift that I want to operate through you. That's my spirituality. It's how long it takes me to respond to the Holy Spirit when he says, I want to work through you. Spirituality is being able to, no matter what the Lord uses me to do, at a moment's notice, to bow down, take a towel, and wash feet. That's spirituality. You see, the spirit of our culture, it's about celebrity. It's about being on a platform. It's about, it's about people thinking something about you. Think, because they don't really know you, but it's just the image that they see. It's about separating yourself from people. That's why when Jesus came and Jesus, I'm kind of giving away next, well, I probably won't pre preach this next week anyway. So, but when Jesus was ministering among his disciples time and time again, what did he have to do? He had to say, listen, guys, you're all jockeying for position. You're worried about who's the greatest in the kingdom. That's not the way it ought to be among you. 
You who think you're greatest, you want to prove it, you be servant. Even the night before he was to die, they were debating over who was greatest. And in the midst of all their arguments, Jesus doesn't speak a word. What does he do? He just takes off his robe, takes the basin of water, and begins to wash their feet. Because they knew he was the greatest, hands down, no question whatsoever. And he's saying, guys, this is leadership. This is leadership. And it's the same in the body of Christ. And we have that same commitment here at Glad Tidings that there's just one body of Christ who sticks together and encourages one another to grow into all that he has for us individually and as a church. But to do that, we have to renounce old ways of thinking. Old ways of thinking that reduce faith, as I said before, to just some kind of crapshoot. Or faith that's just kind of caged by past experiences. But it's not experiencing anything fresh or new in the Lord. Or faith that's always dependent on somebody else. I believe the Lord is saying, Glad Tidings Church, you're going to learn some new things. You're going to learn to walk in a new dimension. It's already happening. But the question is, what do you want? What will you possess? You see, if we have time, I know we're into summer already, so i got to ask the Lord the best timing, whether it's the fall or next week, I don't know. We start vacation in a couple weeks as well. But as the Lord wants to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, which is simply a full expression of the person of the Holy Spirit in our midst, that's what the gifts of the Spirit are when we come together, isn't it? As we see the gifts flowing, what are we, what are we saying? People are saying, surely God is here. That's it, because he's allowed to do what he's come to do. And not just here, but of course, but he wants that flowing through us in the marketplace as well. But in Scripture, we certainly see that context for within the body, operation within the body of Christ as well. But the question is for us, what do you want to possess? Because no matter what gift of the Spirit you operate in, the key is it's a gift of the Spirit, which means it is not just a human heightened ability. That's not what it is. It's an enablement of the Holy Spirit. Which means whatever gift it may be, it is still supernatural. Whatever gift it may be, it still requires dependence on and obedience to the Holy Spirit. It requires intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It requires growing in the knowledge of the Word of God. It requires spiritual discipline so that I'm walking in holiness. I'm committed to spiritual growth and maturity. It requires those things. It's not just my own human abilities, though God certainly gives us those and uses those as well. But what is it the Lord may be calling you to, stirring your heart? For example, do you have lost loved ones that you haven't prayed for for a long time? And the Lord is saying you need to begin to pray for them again. You need to begin to believe for them again. Or maybe, as we said earlier, there's habits in your life that need to be broken. There's spiritual disciplines that need to be established once and for all. Or maybe you're here this morning, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you were like me when I was younger, I could remember hearing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I would come to the altar, and it would seem like nothing would happen. And so time and time again, the invitation would be given, and I began to kind of think, well, I don't know, should I bother going to the altar this time? I don't want to go away disappointed. We've all experienced those times, haven't we? And yet at a young age, I also decided that I am going to, however many times it takes, I'm going to always be available every chance I get to receive from the Lord until the Lord has his way, till I receive what it is he has from me. I believe the Lord has so much more for us. There's so much that we enjoy, but he has so much more for us. But in saying that, I also want you to understand that I don't believe God wants to make us a spectacle where people just flock for spiritual entertainment. That's not the idea. But having said that, neither do I want to back away from everything he has for us. 
Does that make sense? Are you as confused as I am? Because I don't have anything figured out. But I don't want to back away from what the Lord has. Now, I know that when God visits a church, Pastor Scott, you would know this. Crystal, you guys would know this. When God visits a church, and he begins to have his way in some of these things we're talking about, excuse me if this offends anybody, but you can begin to attract a lot of crazies. <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> uh, you can, you know, the granola Christians. You know, the fruits and nuts and flakes. You can attract a whole lot of folks. Fickle people. Jesus had the same thing. I mean, wonderful things are taking place, and you draw crowds who come for the show, but they don't stick around, they don't commit to actually grow themselves, to really allow the Lord to shape them and prune them and grow them. I get that. But if we're going to be a church that's going to touch our city in a meaningful way, we have to risk that. But you know one of the reasons why I think we can risk that? Because we have enough believers in this church who I know have their heads screwed on straight. And we don't have to worry about going off on some flaky tangent, right? As we open ourselves to what the Lord is doing, as we contend for the miraculous, and as we, as Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We don't have to worry about crazy stuff. I believe there's a firm foundation here of the Word of God. There's a focus on Jesus Christ. There's an openness to the moving of the Holy Spirit. We're not interested in trends. We're not interested in flash-of-the-pan stuff. We're interested only in, Lord, what are you saying to us, and how would you move us along as Glad Tidings Church, and what part would you have us play in being a blessing to the body of Christ, the kingdom, in the city of Moncton? That's our heart's desire. It always has been. So we don't want to chase after stuff, but neither do we want to pull away from anything the Lord is doing. The question is simply this. Are you willing to begin to move in and possess the miraculous? You know, one of the things I've been asking the Lord to teach us as pastoral staff is just exactly how all the gifts of the Spirit are meant to be in operation in the church and in our community. We've seen them in operation over the years in, in a limited way, a here and there kind of thing. But I believe the Lord wants us to expect a more regular flow of these gifts because they connect Jesus to people in need and they change lives in very practical, powerful ways. For example, going back to the scripture, if you have your Bibles open, I didn't put the scriptures up here this morning, but if you have your Bible or on phone, we see in the story that, that Jesus spoke to this man by the pool and before he did, he knew that this man had been this way for many years. Now, Jesus didn't know that because he was the Son of God. He was the Son of God, of course, but how did he know this? He knew this because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew this man's predicament. He had compassion on him. He knew what God was planning to do in his life because of the same thing that you and I have. The same way that he speaks through you and me is simply called in 1 Corinthians 12, a word of knowledge. Jesus simply had a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus said time and time again, and I know we read it, and we kind of just, you know, just skim over, because oh, that's a nice thing for Jesus to say. But Jesus really meant it when he said, I can't do anything myself. No, all I can do is what the Holy Spirit does through me. All I can do is what the Father shows me. That's it. Why? Because he's saying, I am just as dependent on the Spirit of God as you will be. 
What I'm showing you is the way that you will operate in greater things. And he means by that more things you will see than you've even seen through me. Because the Holy Spirit will come and live in you as well. But that was simply a word of knowledge. And I really believe this morning the Lord is going to awaken that gift in many of you. So that you'll begin to come to church on Sunday mornings. And God will have a word on your heart for somebody who comes through those doors. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, it's happening already. And in fact, if you feel God has a word for the church, I encourage you, write it down and pass it to leadership. We'll weigh it out before the Lord as to whether or not we're shared and may oftentimes share that. But you may just feel a simple prompting in worship or even before you come to church, God lays something upon your heart and he says, hey, I want you to share something with them. Now, I encourage you, don't give words of direction. That's not what it's about. What it's about, tell them who they're going to marry and when they're going to die and all that kind of stuff. Especially the second one. But... But as you open yourself to what it is the Lord may want to say through you, the purpose is, Scripture says, what? So that we may encourage one another, that it might bring comfort, that it might bring strength to that person, that that person might know that wherever they are, whatever they're going through, God sees them. He sees them. He knows their address. He knows what they're going through, and he's able to encourage their heart to walk with him. So I really want to encourage you to be open to that. Because I believe the Lord still wants to speak things to his church today. Amen? Amen? And the way he's going to do that is by the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be through people. Now, if you're not of the Pentecostal tradition, please excuse me for a moment. But in the Pentecostal tradition, many of us are very used to tongues with interpretation, right? Whether or not it's spot on, you know, we're still used to hearing it, right? Tongues with interpretation or prophecy. And the reason that can happen is because somebody allows themselves to open their mouths and to speak what they feel it is the Lord has for them to speak to the congregation. So we don't have a problem with that. But why is it that we get our knickers in a knot when it comes to words of knowledge? Why is that such a big deal? It's the exact same principle. It's Jesus seeing people who've been a certain way for a very long time and he lays something upon your heart and he prompts you to speak that in order that that person may hear the words of Jesus essentially saying, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be whole? I'm here, I'm standing before you, and I have a word for you to encourage you, to strengthen you, to comfort you. But those words don't get spoken unless they come from somebody in the congregation. And I believe that's going to happen. But the whole point is that there are things the Lord wants to speak to his people, and when he speaks, it will happen. That's what's so important. Here in John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus told the man to get up and walk, and the scripture says at once or immediately the man was healed and he walked. And that's the way it works. The Lord speaks, right? And then he confirms his word with signs following with evidence of what has been said that is from him. Now, as I said earlier, we're going to unpack this a bit more in the days ahead. It may not be until the fall. But I want to encourage us this morning. I want to encourage us to rejoice in, in what we've been enjoying in the presence of the Lord in this, what you might call a season of visitation. But I heard a pastor once say a couple years ago, and it stuck with me, I thought that is so true, that the Lord loves to visit his people. But you know what we need more than a visitation from God? We need to be the habitation of God, right? God visits his people, but he wants to inhabit us. 
and he lives within us. But when we come together as a body, he wants to know every single time he can inhabit the praises of his people and in the habitation of God that good things happen, that lives are touched and changed because people encounter Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Whether it's just in the sovereign visitation in their own heart, we've had people come to Christ just in worship. Uh, Scott's got here this morning. I've told a story a few times, but I'm always just so encouraged when I'm reminded. Here was Scott, uh, one of our friends, an atheist who came to church, didn't believe there was a God until he felt the presence of God in worship. And he gave his heart to Christ. Why? Because he encountered God. You see, he, he met the Lord. And so whether it's that way or whether it's the Lord ministering through us one to another, whatever it may be, but be assured this morning, we are not chasing after the miraculous at the, at the expense of sound biblical teaching, which kind of sounds like a contradiction because actually sound biblical teaching includes the miraculous, right? If you're really going to have sound biblical teaching. But we're not chasing after anything at the expense of godly living, walking with Christ, walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit, being submissive to the things he shows us in his word. In fact, I really believe that's one of the reasons why the Lord has been visiting us in a fresh and unique way because the Lord knows that these things are foundational for us. I think the Lord knows as best as we can in wisdom as we walk with the Lord that we're not going to be flying out left field somewhere. And he's doing something special in our midst, doing some special things through our people. But can I let you know in a secret? Don't tell anybody, okay? Okay? If it gets out, I'll know. We're not the only church where he's doing it. Now, don't tell anybody. Okay? We're not. There are churches, and it's so exciting, talking to some pastors, or I get a chance to visit Resurrection Church sometimes, very, very uh, comfortable flowing in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and wonderful church we love partnering with. Uh, Moncton Westland, I heard Jane was telling me the other day, he was down visiting there, and in the middle of the message, the pastor just stopped and had a word of knowledge for somebody, and he, that person came for healing, the Lord healed him, and then there was about 50 people around the altar being prayed for for healing. Amen. Amen. And I really want to make a Wesleyan joke, but I can't. <laughs> I, I, it just wouldn't be right. Because you know me. But for those who don't know me, my wife will say, Paul, you can't say that stuff on the pulpit. <laughs> I can say it because I just love the body of Christ. We're just co-laborers in the kingdom. We're no different. We have different names. The important thing is that we believe the same thing. The important thing is that we believe that there's no name under heaven whereby you must be saved except Jesus Christ. Salvation is in Jesus. And the other thing that's so important to believe is that we're not cessationists. We don't believe that the miraculous and the gifts of the Spirit stop with the death of the disciples. We are continuationists. We believe it hasn't stopped. And as you study 2,000 years of church history, God has always, wherever there's been a group of hungry people who believe his word, who are moved by compassion with needs around him, there's been time after time after time all through the centuries where God's miracle power has been demonstrated among his people as he's reached people by the power of the Holy Spirit and through his church. That's what unites us as the body of Christ here in this city. And I'm really looking forward to some things the Lord has for us to do together as the body uh, here in Moncton. But if God's going to continue to have his way, then we have to as individuals and we have to corporately examine our heart and say, Lord, what is my disposition this morning? Am I a waiter? Am I, am I someone who believes, but it's just kind of like it's, you know, it's, it's just a crapshoot. It's just hit and miss. You know, maybe if something happens. 
Or am I somebody who says, oh, you know, but I've had certain experiences in the past or that, you know, I've, I've tried before, maybe nothing happened. Or maybe you're, you're someone who's developed an attitude of just dependent upon others because you really don't think those kind of things can happen in your life. And so you say, well, I'm glad to see other people do that or I'm, I'm glad to have other people pray for me. If that's your attitude this morning, I want you to be honest before the Lord and say, Lord, I really want to respond to your word to me this morning. And above all else, we must commit to walk in humility and love for one another because we are the body of Christ. And I'll tell you the evidence that we are the body of Christ. Like any physical body, we move together. We move together. Amen? We love one another. We serve one another. We encourage one another. And any of us here this morning who think you are spiritual, then I want to see you take off your robe, get down on your knees, and wash feet. That's how you're spiritual. Amen? That's the character you need to function in the gifts the Lord wants you to function in. Because it's not about just getting another testimony. It's not about going downtown and praying with somebody, get a notch in your belt and a story to tell. That's not what it's all about. It's about the fact that God loves people. And he will use you wherever you are, according to whatever the need may be, whatever gift is needed at the time. He'll use you if you just have a heart that wakes up in the morning and says, Lord, would you use me today? Holy Spirit, would you flow through me today in some way? That's all it's about. And the Lord's faithful to do that. Musicians, would you join me? Jesus asked a simple question this morning. What do you want? What do you want? And I would encourage us this morning, whether it's for yourself or as a church together, that we'd say, Lord, I want to be made whole. I want to grow into the fullness of who you are. I want to live in the fullness of everything that you've made available to me through the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart, if that is our attitude, then Jesus will say to you as an individual, he'll say to us as a church, then it's yours. It's yours. Now get up and let's walk together. Amen. Does that make sense this morning? Lord, been saying any of that stuff to you this morning? Encouraging you? Amen. I hope the testimonies are encouraging to your faith. They're not meant to isolate. They're not meant in any way to separate. They're just meant for us to say, hey, this is stuff the Lord wants to do in our lives, through our lives, all of us together, because there's a world out there that's broken and banged up. You know, Jamie and I and, and some of the Gagnon, uh, Mike and the kids were down there, the tent city, uh, Friday I think it was, and we have some ministry we were planning for the, uh, for the summer, and we'll talk more about that next week. But I was just reminded, as you're just walking, whatever the reasons may be, God's not concerned about the excuses. It's not up to us to judge and to point fingers, no, you should do this, and the other case may be. There's just people in need. And some are broken up physically, some are broken up mentally, some are, are, are on drugs, you can see they're high as a kite, whatever the case may be. But as I walk through there, I can't help but think, Lord, what would happen if you're walking through this place? And it doesn't mean that every person gives their heart to the Lord, whatever the case may be, but I say, Lord, all the counseling in the world, the city has tried it, states in the United States have tried it, it hasn't worked. All the counseling in the world is not going to do it. Maybe help the odd person here or there. But there are people who need to be healed. There are people who need to be set free that are addicted. There are people that I believe Jesus would go to and, and that after we leave that place, there are people who are sitting there clothed and in their right mind. And that takes the Holy Spirit. But for that to happen, it takes people who begin to realize it's not going to happen just through somebody else. Woe is me. I'm nobody special. I, the Spirit of God lives in you. 
The fullness of Christ is yours. The only question is, what do you want? What do you want? And you know the best way to begin is just to say, Lord, would you begin to touch my heart? Would you begin to break my heart? Would you begin just to show me what you see as far as needs all around me? And you know what the Lord will do? He'll just begin to give you little ways that you can serve, little ways that you can respond to the need. And then bit by bit, you'll begin to have more faith to step out as the Lord does something. Or, you know, I've prayed for folks and haven't seen healing, but I'll tell you what I have felt. I've just felt the presence of God. I've just felt the love of God all around that person. That's not bad second choice or what do you want to call it, right? That's still a pretty cool thing. But I can walk away saying, Lord, I just thank you for courage enough to do that. I just thank you for courage enough just to love somebody, put your arms around them, whatever, just to start something somewhere. And I've still got so much more to learn. But I'm really excited for what the Lord is speaking to our hearts, what he's doing in our midst, just the life signs, the grace signs that we see all around us. But friends, I really believe it's just the beginning. It's not the beginning of some flaky, weird, far out the left field kind of thing. No, it's just, it's just the beginning of the people of God awakening to who we are. That we are sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We have resources the world doesn't know about. Amen. And we have, if nothing else, hearts that can just love people and, and see the kingdom come into their life. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the ministry team to join me as we close. Some of our elders, pastoral staff, you're freed up. Why don't you just come right now? Just stand around the front here. We always want to give opportunity on Sunday morning. If you have need for prayer, you need comfort, you need strength, you want to stand in proxy for somebody else. Our dear friend, Debbie Dussault, received some really bad news for uh, some loved ones and uh, carrying a lot this morning. Debbie, we love you. God bless you. And if we can pray with you and encourage you this morning, we know you want to be a you want to minister to your family. So whatever your, your need may be this morning, people are here this morning to pray for you, physical healing, whatever it may be, we encourage you. But as a musician, just play softly for a moment. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Very first and very quickly, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you can't even begin to understand all that he has for you until you know him, until you meet him. And if you're here this morning and you say, I, I want to meet Jesus, I've sensed him in this place, but I know I don't know him, but I want to know him this morning. Would you just look at me or lift your hand? I want you to pray with you this morning. Is there anybody at all this morning? Anybody at all this morning, you say, I don't know Jesus, and I want to know him today. Anybody at all, we'd love to pray with you. So if we're all Christians here this morning, would you just lift your hands a little bit, maybe even just up to your waist, just a sense of yieldedness. And wherever you may be on that spectrum, whether you say, yeah, pastor, I'm one of those waiters, I just kind of, you know, kind of hope for the best. Or you say, yeah, pastor, I'm somebody who's really limited by my past experience. I've been disappointed before in the past, or I've failed before in the past, and I just don't expect anything to happen. Or if you're somebody who's been just caged by this sense of, well, I'm just helpless. You know, I, I'm not spiritual like other people. I'm not wired like them. I'm happy for them, but that kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. I want to encourage you this morning, whatever lie has been shutting you down, that you would just offer that to say, Lord, forgive me for believing that lie. That's not who I am. That's not how you see me. Everything you are is made available to me every single day. Lord, I want you. You say, what do you want? I want you. I want to be whole. I want to grow in the fullness of the stature of Christ. I want to grow in the fullness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing in through my life. I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ.
Would you just take a moment this morning and do some business with the Holy Spirit as the musicians sing this song? Just you and the Holy Spirit right now. Would you just yield yourself to him and determine, Lord, over these next eight weeks through the summer, with your help, I'm going to address some of those things. Lord, I'm going to get out of this funk, and I'm going to deliberately set my sail to the wind of your spirit. I want to be a child of God, living in the fullness of what it means to be spirit-filled. Let's just do that this morning. Thank you.